Hello, audio-only listener. Just a quick disclaimer before we get started. This is a recording of a live podcast episode that aired live on YouTube. We usually go live at 8 p.m. Eastern Time on Wednesdays. That being said, we may be making references to things that can only be seen on screen. Don't worry, you're not going to miss out on any information because of this. Just some things may not make sense because we're making a reference to something that is on screen. And with that out of the way, thank you so much for joining us, and enjoy the episode. Yo, yo, yo! Shalom Aleichem, and welcome back to another episode of Killing a Church. You know what it is that we do here? We talk about a couple of things. Things that are killing the church, and things that need to be killed in the church. Bradley, my man, how you doing? I am doing well made it to the other side of gluten-free week (laughs) (laughs) oh and so yeah naturally like you know this week i'm not doing the wine i am i'm i'm enjoying a fresh bottle of four roses it's what i've got this week and you have the red breast of course my man (laughs) in celebration of being able to return to whiskey i will be having my favorite whiskey of course uh, and my favorite bourbon. This really is like, it's of all the ones I've tried. This is like, I love this. Hmm. <laughs> Very well. Well, 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 if you guys have read the title, you know, what's coming. We're going to talk a little bit about being grafted in and, uh, actually pr- primarily, um, this is going to be, I feel like this is going to be a, a replacement theology episode, even though I think we've done one, but we're going to talk about we're going to, I guess, be from a different angle. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's a number of, there's a number of passages and subjects that eventually work around to, you know, replacement theology, supersessionism and, uh, and things of that ilk. (laughs) So this just happens to be one of them. That is uh, very true. So first and foremost, let's get this going with the, with the new logo, of course, we still need to change everything else over. (laughs) But uh, once again, this is a Patreon-sponsored um, episode. So once again, thank you to all of our top-tier sponsors. You guys are helping uh, helping move this along and keeping this going and increasing learning all over the globe. We've got, I mean, all over the globe is actually not even a lie. Uh, we, have, we have broken international borders at this point, which is good. That is, Yeah. yeah. When you so think about it, that's kind guys. of awesome. Like I'm, I'm stoked about that. Just the fact that people in other countries are listening like, and no. watching us, you know? Yeah. They're like, no, we exist. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, once again, thank you. Shout out to all of you guys. And, uh, no one has yet to change any of their names to try and coordinate a sentence out of these, uh, names yet. Uh, I'm still waiting for that. <laughs> yep. Got to make but, it happen. Uh, anyway. Let's bring the music back up. Let's bring ourselves front and center. Hello. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Okay. So you've already said what you're drinking. I basically already said what I'm drinking. Yep. We've both had this enough times. We can skip the formalities and introductions, I think. Yeah. We ain't got to review that. Yeah. If any of you want to see these particular whiskey reviews on the ones that we actually happen to have, just watch any of our previous episodes. <laughs> You're bound to find um, 
an episode where we've already reviewed these because we've done it two or three times before now. Yep. Um, yep. So, but <clears throat> that being said, the question tonight, right? And this is a good one. I like this question. Um, this is, I, I don't think it's my favorite topic to to kind of expound on, but it definitely makes a top five list for me. Hmm. So, I. I didn't think this would end up being a favorite topic of mine until until I got on TikTok, honestly, where uh, that's when I started to see just how little the, I guess, the layman really understands how soteriology works. Right. Uh, and then this became sort of my favorite topic as a result, um, just because I ended up talking about it a lot more than I thought I ever would. So, <laughs> Right. Right. It comes up a lot. Um, so the question what is it to be grafted in? What does that mean, right, to be grafted in? And there's a slew of other questions that come with that. So first and foremost, um, it's important to understand that this is a term that is actually used uh, in, I don't, I don't want to say gardening, because um, I feel like that's the wrong word for it. Um, what, yeah, what, what what would the word that you would use be? I mean, you know, it, <laughs> people who have a green thumb know what this is. Gardeners. <laughs> um, and actually, I've seen a video that's got this really cool machine that essentially grafts, right? Uh, it, the idea is that you would cut off a branch at a certain point on on a tree, right? Um, for the sake of, of argument, you will say olive tree because that's what's used in Romans 11, which we will be getting to here, right? And you could graft in, right? Graft, that's the verb being used, um, which means that you off and you almost, you almost notch it so that you make the reverse of that notch, like kind of, kind of male, female, um, fittings that you would carve, into these these respective branches a tree people <laughs> the I think this is the actual word arborist that is people. why it's tree why people. did i have to forget that word it's tree people, <laughs> tree people. <laughs> oh so yeah and and essentially you know you would you would cut like a a female end into the into the the tree that is being grafted into and then a male end into the branch that you're grafting into or vice versa. I can't remember exactly how that goes. And you could take a branch from, you know, like a blood orange tree or you could take a blood orange tree and then graft a branch from, you know, like a, a different kind of orange or a tangerine or something like that into that tree. And it will be nourished by the sap of the tree that, it is being grafted into and so it will still produce fruit right it does have to be a species similar tree as far they, as i'm they, aware yeah, yeah as far as i know they do have to be of a similar kind right you can't just like you know graft an, an apple branch into a banana tree that's not gonna work <laughs> right and uh, as we do have a commenter that and i was gonna actually say this too this works on vines on regular plants um there's Basically, any and all kinds of vegetation, just about, can have a grafting in process, more or less. Right. Um, why would you do this? Sometimes it's to save a dying plant, 
um some uh so in fact uh i think it was actually the the seedless orange funny enough i think it was an accidental discovery and it was a unique tree it was only one tree that ever actually had seedless oranges and so they didn't want to lose this this was a marketable thing right so they actually just ended up cutting off a ton of branches from the same tree and grafting it into other orange trees until all of those orange trees became seedless orange trees and now they're mass produced to this day but every single seedless orange you've ever had technically comes from one tree wow yeah cool right <laughs> that is pretty cool yeah the more you know so so that's the idea right <clears throat> that's what grafting is how it works is that this this new branch right the branch that does not belong in the tree naturally right mm -hmm. it's not part of the tree naturally right but you you can graft it in and it will still be nourished by the sap of the tree and and it will still live and it will still produce fruit right that's how it works is that the nourishment is in the sap right the nourishment is the sap you could say is like the the blood of the tree right that's what <laughs> that's that's what gives everything in the tree life um and and, and so and we're not you know really waxing theological here because uh, it it needed to be explained first exactly how the grafting process works because in order to understand an analogy you have to understand the the, the example being given mm. before you can understand how and why that example is being used as a teaching tool right in fact so to uh, answer sort of the question simply and then outright, we'll just read from Romans 11. I'll go ahead and uh, read it from verse 16 to uh, 24, I believe, is where we'll stop. And then uh, for the rest of the episode, we're going to kind of pick this apart. And we're going to talk about, uh, just so you guys know what's coming ahead, um, we're going to talk about like replacement theology a little bit. Um, let me see here. I got my notes. We got it. We're going to talk also about, uh, what does this mean? Like for the believer, like, what does this look like? Uh, and there's an interesting question that I, I thought was an obvious, um, point being made in Romans 11. Turns out it's not so obvious. And actually TikTok sort of revealed that not everybody seems to, uh, think that this was an obvious point, right? Like I thought that this was, you know, obvious in the text but it turns out it's actually not um which right. is interesting so grafted into what and we're going to get into that so uh that's that's kind of what you guys have to look forward to that being said if everyone will join me uh we will start at romans 11 for some uh context um the subtitle uh, or the, the heading of of most Bibles will read Israel's not Israel's rejection or not rejected or not rejected in full, uh, depending on your translation. Starting at verse 16, if the first fruits is holy, so is the whole batch of dough. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. But if some of the branches were broken off and you being a wild olive were grafted in among them and became a partaker of the root of the olive tree with its richness, do not boast against the branches, but if you do boast, it is not you who supports the root, but the root who supports you. You will say, then the branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. True enough, they were broken off because of their unbelief, and you stand by faith. Do not be arrogant, but fear, for if God did not spare the natural branches, neither he will spare you. Notice then the kindness and severity of God, severity towards those who fell, but God's kindness towards you. If you continue in his kindness, otherwise you too will be cut off 
and they also, if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in. For God is able to graft them in again. For if you were cut out of that which is uh, by nature a wild olive tree, and grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these natural branches be grafted into their own olive tree? All right, so that's the whole section that we're really dealing with here. Yep. And now yep. we're going to pick it Some of it starts a little earlier. Some of it starts in, in as, as close in as like Romans 11.4, I would say. That's kind of where the, the discussion on it begins. Well, so the whole, in fact, all of Romans 11 is really surrounding this topic. Um, right. But the first time we start to see the olive tree being used as a, as the metaphor, as the object lesson yeah, is starting in verse, technically not until 17, but 16. <laughs> sure. Absolutely. Um, so this kind of brings us to the next question then, because this is what is so highly disputed especially on TikTok and I sometimes it's it's very difficult um not to be quite so shocked at some of the answers that we get um because this it it really it seems rather obvious right and this is this this literally seems so obvious that this is actually still one of the majority christian positions right this is kind of this is partially the basis on which they build supersessionism, right? That's they're going in a mistaken direction with it. Um, but so the question is this: What are we grafted into? Yeah, so I actually have a banner for that. Grafted <laughs> into what? Boom. Uh, yeah, and actually, grafted acres. Funny enough, we're talking about grafted. Um, <laughs> just commented. In, uh, I get we're grafted into Jesus, not Israel. I've seen that. And actually, the, this is where I was saying, I've never seen this before. Like, that is not something that I've ever seen until TikTok. <laughs> it is. And, and it, so, and, you know, Grafted Acres, Seamus, everybody else in the chat, actually, who has had this experience, correct me if I'm wrong, right? Because like I said, the majority position among Christian scholars would still be that you're grafted into Israel, right? That That's even the... The, the famous Jim Staley moment in the Sabbath debate, right, is is predicated on the fact that this antinomian that he's arguing with accepts the premise that you're grafted into Israel, right? Mm. That's the idea. So the only people I have ever gotten the we are grafted into Jesus or we are grafted into Yeshua uh, from tend to lean very Hebrew roots, yeah. Right. It's 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 true. a very it's a very spe and and it's specifically because well no we can't be grafted into Israel because that validates Judaism, which <laughs> is an inherent implication that we'll discuss later. Yeah, we're, we're getting there. We're getting we're gonna get to that spicy topic in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's the thing is it's 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 still this idea any any alternative answer to Israel right and I, I, there are a few that I get. Um, Usually people are willing to accept that you're grafted into Israel. They, there's just going to be a disagreement on what that means. Um, but I have gotten that we're grafted into Yeshua. Uh, I've also gotten that we're grafted into the promises. Mm -hmm. That that I got to say is I've only I've only heard that one time. And I will say the time that I heard that it seemed like a desperation move. 
uh, I'd be I'd be actually more okay even with that than with the blatant anti-Semitism of trying to change the topic of the tree of the root. Uh, yeah, and we'll get we'll get there. Uh, that's actually my favorite part of the episode. So uh, stick around <laughs> to the end when we get to talk about uh, why this idea of being grafted into Yeshua is or or Jesus, whichever name you prefer. Um, that is not. It just doesn't fit the context of, of Romans. Actually, we can kind of, because, well, the topic is grafted into what? To Israel. So let's let's kind of start, right? Like at the beginning, like you said. Yep. Uh, beginning of Romans 11, verse 1, right? This is the preamble. This is the topic of discussion. This is setting the stage for the rest of this chapter. <clears throat> I say then, God has not rejected his people, has he? May it never be, or chas v'shalom, heaven forbid. <laughs> uh, for I too am an Israelite, the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his people whom he knew beforehand. Or do you not know what the scriptures say about Elijah, how he pleads with God against Israel? So I'm going to stop right there for now. But So what's the topic? What are we talking about? The topic here is has god forsaken his people hmm. that's the question being addressed has god forsaken his people and this is where a lot of what you'll get this is where this is where the implied shift from uh, uh literal israel to spiritual israel right is is derived is is a lot of the answers that i'll get is yeah that's talking about jews who believed in jesus right it's, that's talking about about Jews who were Christians. Hmm. No, it's not. <laughs> no Christianity yet. Christianity is not a distinct and separate thing from other than being a sect within Judaism until much, much later. Um, Paul did not live long enough to probably even hear the term Christian, actually. So keep that in mind. <laughs> um, so moving on. I'm going to kind of skip ahead a little bit here because, uh, you know, they've, they've got some quotations here from Elijah. Um, uh, I have kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. Uh, so this is in reference to always a remnant will always remain in Israel. Some yeah. there, there will always be a faithful remnant no matter what. That's, that's sort of God's promise. So in the same way also at this present time, there has come to be a remnant according to God's gracious choice. But if it is by grace, it is no longer by works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. Right, so we're going to see that kind of rep repetition. Um, what then, what, what Israel is seeking, it has not obtained, but the elect obtained it, and the rest were hardened. So now, this is really weird because I've seen um, Calvinists really focus in on this part. Uh, because we see this like God's will, this this elect, this this sort of yeah. predestination style language. Um, now, if that's what Paul means here, he's about to destroy his own argument in a little bit. Uh, funny enough, right? So understand that is actually not Paul's focus. Is he's not talking about predestination? This is not a once saved, always saved argument section here. Uh, he's simply saying that no matter what happens, God will not allow the Jewish people to be completely eradicated. There will always be a remnant. And so this is what he means by is the will of God, right? This is, this is determined by God. So God will always ensure that there is a remnant 
that will remain. Um, this is not a predestination chapter. That's not what this is about. Right. Um, rhetoric. Parables. It's like a parable. Parables made to make one point. Once you make that one point, you move on. Yep. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to keep going a little bit. Um, verse 7. This is where we know what are we grafted into. What then uh, was Israel seeking? Right? So we're talking about Israel. Israel. And then there's a quote here um, from, I believe, Deuteronomy or Isaiah. Uh, and then we got another quote. And David says, let the table become a snare and trap. Some, some more uh, quotations from the Tanakh. Okay, I say then... They did not stumble so as to fall, did they? May it never be. Chas v'shalom, heaven forbid. Um, which, by the way, when you see that phrase, may it never be, like my translation says, never, may it never be. Some translations right. say, heaven it's forbid. It's spicier than that. It, the language that Paul is actually using is more akin to, like, F no. <laughs> right. Or H no. Like, it's, it's really grabbing spicy rough language um very very jewish of him i think (laughs) (laughs) um but by their false step salvation has come to the gentiles to provoke who to jealousy israel (laughs) yeah so we see this right the header and i know the headers don't exist in the original manuscripts fine header says israel not rejected as God rejected his people, no. Now we start talking about Israelites. Verse 7, we start talking about Israelites. Verse 11, we're still talking about Israelites. Um, now if their transgression, they, who's they? Israel. Uh, so that their loss is riches for the Gentiles, and then how much more for their fullness? Who's they? Israel. But I'm speaking to you who are Gentiles, insofar as I'm an emissary to the Gentiles. I spotlight my ministry. If somehow I might provoke jealousy my own flesh and blood, my own flesh and blood. Who? Israel. Right. And, and not Jews. Because who's his own flesh and blood? He's not a Judite. He's a Benjaminite, actually. So he's actually not a Yehudi. Um, right. So technically, so he he has to be talking about Israel here. Israel, Israel. as a whole. That's what he means. Uh, so for, for, the, uh, for if their rejection leads to the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? All right, so that's verse 15. So we're still talking about Israel here. Not once, not once has has Jesus' name even been brought up in the entire chapter of, uh, of Romans 11 up to this point. I don't see it anywhere. This, this, this is, the, and this makes it even easier to, to kind of grasp, right? <clears throat> Because this is this directly correlates to what Yeshua teaches in John 10, 16, right? John 10, 16, he says, he says, I have sheep that are not, not what? Not of this fold, right? What is the fold? If the sheep are, 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 are the Israelites, right? If the sheep are the Jews, then what is the fold? Israel. <laughs> Israel. And it's not Yeshua. Why? Yeshua says he's the door. Yeah. Right, he's the door, so he's not the fold. He's not the root. Right, he's not the tree. <laughs> no, he's he right. And so when he says that he must go and retrieve these other sheep and bring them where, 
bring them here into, into the, the fold. fold with everybody else with right the israelites <laughs> right that's that's that the the idea here has always been centered around and uh, it's interesting uh, some of the some of the responses that i get uh, when it comes to kind of this subject in general um I, I once had somebody respond to a statement that I made, uh, and essentially he said, I would be okay accepting that, uh, except that it makes Israel uh, an end rather than a means to an end. And so then I have, I have, you know, I have reservations and certain problems with that. And I get what he means is because like the church tells people that, that Jesus is the end, right? Israel is the means to the end to bringing about Jesus, what they don't realize is that by Jesus' own words, and by Paul's words here in Romans 11, Israel has always been the end. Jesus has been the means to the end mm -hmm. of bringing people into Israel, because Israel has been the end. And uh, later on in, in chapter 11, um, in fact, mine is headed, The Mystery Revealed. And that's because the very next verse after the section that we stopped at, For I do not want you, brothers and sisters, to be ignorant of this mystery. Now, it, it has long been debated in schools of thought, especially theological schools. What is the mystery of the gospel? Paul brings it up, but he doesn't specify what it is. Uh, whereas from our point of view, it's like, well, yeah, he just he just told us what it is. It's Gentile right. inclusion. That's the yes. mystery. <laughs> That's, now, why yeah. is that a mystery? Well, because the Gentiles have no promise. Um, actually, if you want to open up Ephesians 2 for me. Yeah, um, let's go there. Let's go there. This is why this is the mystery. Uh, so while you're opening up, I'll give a brief um, background. Israel is the chosen means that God chose by which the world will know about him. Right? He, and he didn't choose them because they were special. He says that himself or they were large or numerous. He chose them because he chose them. Right? That's just the end of the day. Yep. Now, he made a promise with them, with their forefathers, in ipso facto them, uh, and nowhere in the entire Tanakh, Torah, prophets, writings, nowhere, you will not see a promise of a new covenant inclusion of Gentiles. You won't see it anywhere. You will see a new covenant being promised to Israel and to Judah. Excuse me. And you will see these like kind of hints where the stranger is welcome among the Israelites, but you do not see a covenant being made with strangers with Goy, with Ger, with people of the nations. Anyone that's a Gentile, you have no promise. And so with that in mind, if you go ahead and read Ephesians 2. Yep. Yep. We'll get we'll get to we'll get to that in a minute. Yeah. So Ephesians <laughs> 2. <clears throat> Ephesians 2. Therefore, keep in mind that once you, Gentiles in the flesh, were called uncircumcised by those called circumcised, which is performed on flesh by hand. At that time, you were separate from Messiah, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God uh, in the world. But now in Messiah Yeshua, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Messiah. You were separated from the commonwealth of what? Yeah, the commonwealth of israel oh weird so you were far away and then you were brought near yeah brought, near to what? brought near interesting how that works yeah 
It's it's which is actually that 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 directly correlates to to Corban, right? Because that's what that is. It's that which draws near. Draws near. Yeah. It's it's to bring near. That's that's what Corban is. Corban note. So um Yeah, so basically our point to this is nowhere in this chapter do we actually have a mention of Yeshua. Um I actually oh, I that's a good point too. Covenant, covenant yes, it plural. is plural. Promises, plural. Uh, and the idea being, though, that all of these promises were made to Israel. They were not made to the Gentiles. Gentiles have no promise. And so that's the mystery that Paul is talking about. Is this idea that even though no promise was made to Gentiles ever, they are included. And, and that's the mystery. And the more even more mysterical, mysterious excuse me, part of that is that as a stranger, you could convert and be part of the promises and be welcome into the covenant and look forward to the kingdom. Uh, but this, as soon as you converted, you were, you were now born a Jew. And so the mystery is, in Paul's eyes, the, the, the lack of the need for conversion and still being considered a part of the tree of Israel. Um, now, I've, now I've heard the... Uh, Hebrew roots say, well, the root is Yeshua, but the branches are Israel. No, the, the root no. is Israel, and the branches are just a metaphor for the individual people. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you, you, Yeshua, you could say, is 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 a new shoot from the stump of Jesse. That, that you know, that 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 tracks, but that, that effectively still makes him a branch in this aspect. Yeah, that he would right. have to be not, grafted not, into. Not, not the root. <laughs> He would have to be grafted um, into his own tree. Uh, he's yeah. He's you know he he's from the tribe of Judah. Er, ergo, one of the branches. Um, you know, uh, Israel is Israel is the root. Right. That's that's the idea here. Yeah, and and so here's the thing too. This idea that Yeshua is the root is so brand new uh, that even the replacement theologian church fathers, the anti-Semites that they were, uh, even they didn't read it that way. They yeah. They so understood this passage to be that the root was Israel, that that's what led them into thinking of replacement theology. So let's jump into some replacement theology. I think we've, are we to that point where we want to talk about this now? <laughs> um, I think, I, I, I think, I don't know. Do I want to save, do we want to save touching on the olive tree no yeah we'll save that for a minute well let's let's do this let's okay. let's do this we'll we'll save the olive tree bit for the for the end there <laughs> because it's important paul chooses that analogy for a reason oh yeah that's good that's yeah absolutely should hit that one in the last in the last points so first uh real quick what is replacement theology um supersessionism that's the yeah. fancy name for it that is the, the fancy name, supersessionism, uh, or covenant theology, which is just a simpler way of saying supersessionism with extra steps. No, it's not even extra steps. If you Google covenant theology, it says supersessionism, like in the search results. <laughs> it's, it's, it is supersessionism. Um, but uh, the, we, we, we tend to refer to it as replacement theology because that's, that's essentially what you're doing. Um, it's this idea that the church has replaced Israel mm -hmm. because they rejected Yeshua. So they lose out on the promises. 
and the church inherited the promises and we are now the new Israel. That's replacement theology. Uh, and it's that theology alone, just, just that sentence that I spoke has actually been the catalyst and the core spinal, the spinal cord of what led to so much Christian anti-Semitism over thousands of a thousand years. And let, let's think about the implications of this, right? Because Paul even brings up in Kings, right? The 7,000 men that Hashem reserved for himself, right? Um, they didn't have to change anything about their observance, right? Their, their, their being reserved was strictly because they didn't change their observance, right? They didn't change their belief. They didn't fall into idolatry. They maintained their 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 current Judaism. So what, what you're telling me is that Paul is using this example when what he's really trying to explain in Romans 11 is that if you didn't change your theology because Jesus came on the scene, well, now now you're being cut off right now now you're you're not you're not that remnant that i've reserved anymore so like what would have gotten you by in kings is not getting you by anymore and that's the idea and it's like well that that's an inconsistency on god's part <laughs> yeah it, so essentially what this does and uh, paul actually prefaces this which is beautifully done um but if we take the replacement theology stance what we what we've done is we've called God a liar, because he made a promise with the sons of Israel, Abraham, Isaac, and, and Jacob. Whether we like it or not, if we say we've replaced them, we've called God a liar. Yep, a promise breaker, outright, someone who can just come down in an incarnate man and change everything. Um, and if that's your stance, whether or not you're Trinitarian, it actually is immaterial. If that's your stance, then Muhammad is actually a viable candidate for another change in prophecy. Mm -hmm. You know, just following yeah. the line of logic, if, if we can have a prophet come down and pull promises away from people and give them to somebody else, well, then Muhammad has a legitimate argument to stand on. Hey, so does Joseph Smith for that matter. So does Joseph Smith for that matter. Uh, mm. But I, uh, I don't know about you. But my God's not a liar. Uh, <laughs> no, no, he's also a just God. He, he's 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 not going to shift the metric of what qualifies you to be part of that remnant uh, suddenly on something something that arbitrary. Because it is. You're telling me that a Jew who absolutely loves God with all his heart and. And because of that love, right, obeys the commandments to the best of his ability because he loves God, right? But maybe he just wasn't convinced that Jesus was the guy. But he's going to burn in hell because of that detail, that one detail. He's going to burn in hell for that? I'm sorry, that that just doesn't track. <laughs> well, and the, well, the idea being, now when, when, when we speak of the remnant, understand in the jewish mind in elijah's example and paul's even even paul's bringing bringing it back to this but the example specifically is that the torah was never originally meant to be a written document it was meant to be a living document as in you are supposed to be a walking living breathing 
Torah. That's the whole point. And so as long as there is a Jew alive who is in, a, in observance, then the Torah, whether it's written down or not, lives on. And it lives on in that person. He is a living Torah, right? A Torah made flesh, uh, which is, again, the goal of every Jew. And so that remnant, that, that idea of the remnant is that they would remain obedient and faithful, not only to God, but also faithful in their obedience, so that even if there is no scripture, you essentially have a scripture that you can look at. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just not in written form. And that's that's the purpose of the remnant, uh, so that this, the Torah doesn't get lost. Paul is using this as the basis of his argument of the promise of this remnant. Uh, what did you bring up here? I oh, the Austin intellectual ascent. Gotta love it. <laughs> intellectual ascent. Yeah, I had this thought, and it was the right thought according to God, and so I get into heaven on that basis alone. Because I thought the right thing. <laughs> right. Um, it, 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 even, even This is actually a, a, a key feature of the reform movement, but funny enough, none of the reformers ever subscribed to the idea of um, the uh, intellectual ascent is what gets me in alone. They actually had numerous debates uh, and even the reformers at the end of towards the end of their lives and in, in their reformation debates and everything, uh, they were willing to say, yes, this is a works-based religion. They were willing to say that. They didn't have a problem with it. They didn't see a problem with it because to them it was, you are saved by grace through faith, but if you have no evidence of that faith, then we, we challenge the good that you do have. Uh, and so without that evidence, there's really no way we can say you know your, your your intellectual ascent alone won't get you anywhere um and so even the reformers were would admit this which is i find incredibly funny myself but right. uh, back to replacement theology um yeah so this is a dangerous uh this is a dangerous doctrine you should stay away from this this is pure anti-semitism this idea that we replace israel that's not true it's never going to be true um, in fact, Paul, it is not you who supports the root, but the root who supports you. Um, that's from verse 18. That is so important because Christianity teaches today essentially that, well, if a Jew accepts Jesus as his Messiah, then he becomes Christian and he gets grafted back into the tree. And it's like, no, no, you don't, you don't understand. A Jew does not, should not become Christian except by the, the, the actual like ex- Definition of the word as in like Christ follower, like you you are a disciple, right? By the strictest definition of the word, yes, you could say he should become a Christian. But no, a Jew should not convert to Christianity. It's it is not that is not how that works. Right. He's the he's part of the root. <laughs> and it's well and it's it's one of those things, and this this may this may shock some, this may be very harsh to some. Um but this is why this is why it's actually important to specify the the nature of Judaism being as as much as it is an ethnicity also a religious practice right um because uh the <laughs> in as much as a Jew who has converted to Christianity may still ethnically be Jewish he is no longer religiously Jewish and then therefore not considered Jewish by the Jewish community Okay. Uh, if he stops living you, Torah, then what is you, he? <laughs> he 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 now is is in in some sense stripped of his Judaism. So, if what you're telling me is that 
in God's economy, the idea is that all of the Jews in the world would become Christians. What you're telling me is that all of the Jews in the world should no longer be Jews, right? They should be not Jews because that's what Christian is, right? Um, how is that, like, how different really is that to the final solution? Yeah. How, You're how, still ridding the world of Jews. It's just, it sounds like <laughs> Hilter, but with extra steps. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we can't say the actual name of the YouTube will block us, I guess, or whatever. It might block us just for, just for me, you know, speaking about the, the plan by name. The plan. Uh, I see. I say oof and then hilter. <laughs> <laughs> some of my some of my regular YouTubers might get the reference, but um anyway, so uh yeah, no, it like like when you talk about Paul and we say Paul Paul's conversion on the road to Damascus. No, he didn't. <laughs> Paul was uh, first and foremost, he was a Pharisee. Pharisees are already messianic. In fact, Funny enough, in like the 1800s, before, uh, before messi, before like Torah observant Gentiles kind of hijacked the word Messianic Judaism, uh, during the Reformation process, when Reformed Judaism was was just being formed, the the term Messianic Jew actually used to refer to Orthodox Jews. A lot of people don't know this. A little bit of history, because what. What uh, Reform Judaism was doing is was removing the idea of Messiah from the prayer books, right? They were getting rid of this idea of a future kingdom. They were getting rid of this Messiah figure. And so they were Reformed Jews, and they referred to Orthodox Jews as Messianic because they were, they were still Messiah-believing Jews. They were still awaiting for a Messiah. They were still Messianic. Uh, and so you and I have said this before. All Jews are Messianic Jews uh, because— that's the faith. Judaism is awaiting a Messiah, right? That's what that is. It's a redundant Messianic term. by nature. <laughs> yeah, Judaism is Messianic by nature. Although nowadays the word Messianic Jew has baggage, which usually means, uh, you know, like a Gentile who follows Torah and believes in Yeshua. But that's not, you know, by strict or, definitions. Or, yeah, or or a Jew who converted to Christianity. Yeah, and and that that's like the the point that we're sort of really driving at is uh, Paul was a Pharisee which means he was a messianic Jew, right? By the strictest of definitions, which means he was just a Jew who was awaiting for his Messiah and he ran into his Messiah at some point. He never converted. He just found his Messiah and then continued to live in the present tense as a Pharisee at the end, to the end of his life. He stood on trial and said in the present tense, I am a Pharisee. Um, and that he believes in the resurrection, which is, in fact, most of Christianity be beliefs today are Pharisee beliefs by nature. Right. Uh, one way that it, it, it's been phrased by a man who is very dear to me and, and that I look up to a lot um, is essentially uh, everything that Christianity got right, they borrowed from the Jews. <laughs> everything that it got wrong is something that it borrowed from paganism. Uh, I had the same, I had a conversation with the same person and, uh, I, he put it a different way. He said, uh, Christianity never came up with anything original. <laughs> right. And that's, yeah. Um, but, uh, so this, this idea though, of replacement theology, your salvation, soteriology, the promises were never given to you. Yeshua 
is the door by which you can enter into the promises that were given to Israel. And God doesn't forsake his people. Isaiah, I can't remember the verse right now, but all Israel has a place in the world to come. All Israel has a place in the world to come. Now there's obviously, you know, people can leave, right? The branches can be cut off. Um, but that, that, you know, once again, they can obviously be, uh, and remember, uh, at the beginning of the episode, we said something like, uh, this is not a predestination theology because as you, as you read later on, he says that those who are cut off can be grafted back in. Yeah. Right. If, if this is a predestination <laughs> chapter, he's already ruined his own argument, and, which that's not what this is. <laughs> and that those who've been grafted in can be cut off. I'm like, well, there goes unconditional eternal security. You know, once saved, always saved out the uh, out the window, cut off, pruned, if you will. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no. If you, I said this once. This is kind of a um, hot take, if you will, a peer pool, to 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 say it like a Hasid. Um, if you don't, at least on a spiritual level, consider yourself a citizen of Israel, like a spiritual Israel. Uh, then your salvation is kind of in question, actually. Yeah. Because that's your yeah. only this way is, in. This is, a, <laughs> this is a soteriological issue. Yeah. Whether or not you consider yourself as being grafted into Israel is a that 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 has soteriological implications. Yeah. And it's laid out right here. Right here in Romans 11. Um, but yeah, long story short, replacement theology anti-semitic um and even the passive anti-semitism which is to just convert all jews into christianity that's still replacement theology and that's not that was never the intention that was never god's plan and if you can find it anywhere in the prophecies that eventually god would create a whole new religion and abandon his people israel which he made promises with uh and he said he would never forsake well, well good luck trying but that's what you would have to do in order to prove anything else um otherwise yep god's god's plan and we can move on we can move on to the next the next subject from, yeah go from, ahead from, and from, uh, from this point is that god's plan has quite literally always been that you be among the community of of israel not necessarily an israelite but among the community of israel that has always been the plan and paul Paul seems to be toying with that concept in his use of the analogy of the olive tree, right? Why? Why did he use an olive tree? Of all of the trees that he could have used, right, there are a number of different trees mentioned throughout Scripture, and all of them have their own importance. Um, but he used an olive tree as as the 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 example of of his grafting here and so it's interesting i did a word search for the first time that we actually see olive tree in the text of scripture and wouldn't you know it it's in the torah oh <laughs> no way <laughs> and it is so it is devarim for uh, for those of you who don't know the hebrew titles to the books of the bible that is deuteronomy Chapter 24, and I'm going to start in verse 18 because that sets the stage for what I think Paul is drawing from. Okay, it says, remember that you were a slave in Egypt and that your God, 
Hashem redeemed you from there. Uh, this word slave, this this word slave here is... Evid? Is it Evid? I don't think it is. Deuteronomy what? I'll pull it up. 2418. Let's have a look to see here. Uh, Eved. Yep. Thought so. <laughs> Let's see. Yeah. So remember that you were a slave in Egypt and that your God, Hashem, redeemed you from there. Therefore, do I enjoin you to observe this commandment? Okay. So. To set the stage, what's happened here? God has said, so that you remember that you were a slave in Egypt and that God redeemed you, um, do this commandment, observe this commandment. And then we, we go on to the commandment. When you reap the harvest in your field and overlook a sheaf in the field, do not, uh, do not turn back to get it, right? So this has to do with gleanings. Mm -hmm. Um... So, you know, don't run back to go and get a sheaf of wheat that you forgot. You forgot it. Leave it where it is. It's not yours anymore. Uh, it shall go to the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow. In order that your God may bless your undertakings. Uh, bless you in all your undertakings. It goes on, right? The next verse. When you beat down the fruit of your olive trees, do not go over them again. In other words, don't go around a second time, right? That shall go to the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, right? So the first time we see the olive tree brought up in Torah, in Scripture, in general, it's in Torah. And the first time that it's brought up, it's brought up in the context of leaving a portion for the stranger who is dwelling among the community of Israel, right? It's it's there with the intention and the knowledge that there would be strangers dwelling among the community of Israel. Le gasp. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so what 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 does being grafted in look like? So there's a couple of things. Uh, man, my computer is freaking out right now. I think my... All right, we're back. I lost you for a second. Um, it's the last time I lay a book down too hard. <laughs> right. Uh, so this is a good time where we talk about this fancy word. <laughs> Ger Toshav. Some of you may know me on the Discord server. It's actually my handle on uh, the Alternate Media Discord server. If you want to join that Discord server, by the way, the link is in the bio. You should definitely join because it's Please awesome. do. Um, and uh, in fact, we'll be doing the after part as the after party uh, in the Discord server post the show. But Gertzeshav, simplest terms, stranger who sojourns or the sojourning, the residing stranger. A uh, good way to put this in kind of the minds is like a dual citizen. Someone who is living in Israel amongst the Israelites, uh, who practices the religion of the Israelites, who's basically looks, walks, talks, and acts like an Israelite, but is not a converted Jew, not a full convert. Yeah. He's a, he's a gear. He's a residing gear. Um, and now Paul seems to think that in his mind, so there, in in the first century Judaism, the Ger Toshav has different, slightly different rules that apply to him than would the regular Israelites. 
Paul seems to want to take this idea of the Ger Tashav and bring it to the next level of treating them like they're a full convert. And that, that's like Paul's mission is to try and do that thing. Uh, he's met with a lot of pushback for trying to do this, by the way, which is primarily uh, people's problem with him, by the way. It's not that he was teaching people to abandon Torah. It's actually that he was trying to essentially say that no one needs to convert to consider themselves part of the minion, right, so to speak, uh, where you have to be a circumcised, full-fledged Jewish member uh, to be counted in the minion, uh, a, a congregation of 10, right, for, for prayer services. In order to have a chazan and say certain prayers, you got to have at least 10 people. Yep. Um, an assembly. <clears throat> but yeah, Ger Tushav, it's that's kind of what it is. I mean, do you have anything... Do you define it differently than I? Or no, 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 no. That's that 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 that's a great definition. Um, you know that it's somebody who lives among the community of Israel, um, and and worships with the community of Israel, the same way that the community of Israel does. Um, but he he's not undergone the legal conversion, right? He 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 didn't undergo the the naturalization process, right? As as we would call it. Um, but nonetheless, he is allowed, right? He's, he's allowed to be there mm -hmm. uh, as a sojourning stranger. And like, I think our first, like think of it this way. For those of you who want some like scripture references of something to think about of like a Gerritashav. Uh, Cornelius, we clearly see him in Acts chapter 10 praying three times a day. Uh, he was a, a major proponent of the synagogue locally. And He's uncircumcised, right? He, likely because he cannot convert because he's a centurion. But um, him and his other Gentile friends that are with him, Peter shows up. They all receive the spirit. What does Peter do? He gives him a mikvah, and a mikvah is is the final step in a conversion process. It's a change in legal status. So that mikvah would have made them ger toshav in that moment. Because that that's that was sort of Peter's mindset in that in that yep. kind of like hold on, well it, t for Peter he was likely thinking of it as a full conversion without the without the necessary like um, circumcision yet. Uh, it seems to be an expectation that would come much later, kind of like in the way of Abraham. Abraham received his commandment for circumcision much later. Yep. But um, yeah, so that's that's one example. Um, I'm trying to think of a different example. There's a couple. There's a couple of them out there. Say, even one, even but... regarding the Passover, right? Because we just came out of Passover season. This this is something that the the Ger Tashav could even take part in. Now, to take part in the Passover, he still had to be physically circumcised, um, but he did not have to be a convert to take part in the Passover, right? That's he's a Ger Tashav. He's he's the the stranger among you is is permitted to take part in the Passover, provided that he has had a physical circumcision, right? So again, we see this idea of, of this person who has, has existed among the community of Israel, uh, but has not undergone a conversion, but is still practicing the faith of Israel. Mm. And understand Israel is the central point. Oh, the other, the other thing I was Acts 15, what do we do with these uh Gerim right. now uh who have obviously received the spirit uh how do we get them in the synagogue verse 21 because Moses is preached in the synagogue every Sabbath day 
right uh in every synagogue right so th there's this idea that they're going to be among the jews it's much later that they start to separate themselves and there's a bunch of yep. historical extenuating circumstances that create that level of separation um primarily because actually contrary to popular belief uh nero nero did not actually target christians because of their beliefs he just targeted them because well they were they were christians so he just was like oh well he didn't care what they believed he was like well if you identify as a christian i'm just going to kill you he didn't care um but from that point onwards uh, it's Judaism that gets the big uh, boot every time, every step of the way from the Romans. And so if you were a Gentile hanging out with Jews and you were seen with them, yep. And and you believe, it didn't matter who you thought Messiah was. If you were seen living like a Jew, you were going to be treated like a Jew and they were being persecuted left, right, front and center. Uh, and even Torah observance eventually gets totally outlawed. No Sabbath observance allowed. No Torah readings allowed. None of that stuff. And so yep. eventually, those who just didn't fully convert, um, who did not have a full understanding of Judaism yet, kind of go and create their own thing. That level of separation happens mostly because of political influence. It's it's interesting, actually, that, that, that that's the pattern of history, and it's what it's always been, actually. Um, at any time, and, and this is why there, there, there are some Jews who will even make the statement that if you're willing to suffer with them, then you are one of them. They will accept you on that basis, right? Uh, and the reason being uh, is that because every time that the Jews undergo persecution, right, those who are associating with them either bail or undergo the same persecution, right? And that's and that's 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 the way it goes. And so it it it's always uh, now especially comical to me um, how Christians think that. In the end times, right? They're going to be the ones that are going through so much persecution and everything, and and you know mm. because because the world just hates Christ and it hates Christianity, and it's like, well, <laughs> no. Historically speaking, it won't be you unless you are associating with the Jews, um, and better yet, historically speaking, you might even be the persecutors. <laughs> Sorry, that's just the path of history. Uh, and. This, this is going to come up. What about, you know, when Paul says in Yeshua, there's no Jew, Gentile, slave or free or male or female. Paul is not saying, because here's how people read that, right? People don't realize they're doing this, but here's how people read that. There's no Jew or Gentile. There's just Gentiles. Right. That's not, that's not what Paul said. He said, in fact, right. if anything, what he's saying is there's no Jew or Gentiles, just Jews. Like everyone's included into Judaism, not everyone stops being a Jew. That's that that is an example of the presuppositions that people bring to the text. They eisegete that, um, and that's the evangelical mindset, right? More or less, whether they like it or not. That's just the way people are reading the text. But that's not and, what it says. And it's like they completely miss where it says that there's neither male nor female, and it's like, well, clearly that still exists. So you know. It, it something obviously something else is being referenced yeah or it's allegorical who would have thought right um, yeah it's about it truthfully that's what that passage is about it's about status you know uh this idea that there's a hard line between jew and gentile that's what paul's again trying to get rid of he's trying to say say that those who are ger toshav should be treated like equal jews that's what he was trying to do and a lot of people pushed back on him with that 
Um, and that, so that's, that's why he's, he's constantly trying to make that point. He's not trying to bring Jews out of Judaism. He's trying to bring Gentiles into Judaism. It's the other yeah. way around. Uh, yeah. it, but so we'll wrap, we're hitting about an hour. So I want to wrap it up with his last thing from Romans 11, and then we'll go into questions. Um, but this is how Israel centric this original Christianity and, and this religion is like early Christianity. Verse 25, we stopped at verse 24. If we read the next couple of verses after that. Verse 25, for I do not want you, brothers, to be ignorant of this mystery, lest you be wise in your own eyes, that a partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come. And in this way, all Israel will be saved as it is written. And then he, he quotes, the deliverer shall come out of Zion. He shall turn away the un... Um, ungodliness from jacob my covenant with them i'll take away the sins concerning the good news this is israel centric that's that's kind of the point if anything what he's saying here is if if there is a partial hardening partial hardening not a fullness not a full blindness um but it's it's for israel like that's still the end goal is still for israel's sake not not the gentile's sake um you are just part of the plan to help Israel move along as well. But yeah, you're that's it's Israel centric is, is essentially the last point I'm trying to make here. Yep. Um, okay. Any questions, comments, sarcastic remarks? <laughs> no. Cool. Uh, let's go to questions. If yeah, are you reading through some of them? Yeah. I mean, it's not quiet. They've been, they've been active, but like it's, it's been a lot of discussion with each other. And I like to see that actually. Yeah. I've been um, noticing, but not uh, a whole lot of questions. Tonight. Uh, let's see, 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 see. I saw a question from earlier. I'm trying to find it. I have a <laughs> question. Here we go. When Yeshua is called ben Elohim is meant to be the only begotten child or the most important child thanks in advance okay um well certain certainly not the only begotten um as as uh hashem says in in what is it exodus 7 that israel is his firstborn son right yeah so there's actually kind of this uh small difference where we see the phrase only begotten being used on yeshua but it's not a phrase that we often see for israel israel is the firstborn uh where yeshua is the only begotten as in he was adopted so this is actually where adoption theology comes into play this is partially why we are a non-trinitarian channel um the early the earliest believers were adoption theologians. Um, all scholars pretty much universally, like 98% agree uh, that the earliest Christians and their documents seem to suggest that they were adoptionist theologians, meaning that Jesus became Messiah at his adoption, at his baptism, and that's when he becomes uh, quote-unquote divine. Um, whether or yeah. not you mean that to be God or not, that's actually still up for debate, but uh, there's, it's an adoption theology that he becomes divine at a certain point in time that he was not always divine. Um, 
there's a, there's actually, and that's the difference between high Christology and low Christology. Right. Uh, so that question actually has a lot to do with a completely different topic, but. <laughs> oh, I like these two. What you got? All right. Oh. You got that. And so then <laughs> after that. Huh. Which yeah, is it? Back to back. <laughs> it can't be both. Uh, oh, when was the legal conversion process established? Sometime uh, in the second century, from what we can gather. Yes, uh, I was just yeah, I was just going to say that. Um, from what we know, there were different versions of the conversion process uh, during the first century, um, but that becomes finalized in the early second century uh, to what we sort of have now. Part of the reason for the way that it is now actually is due to the uh, the external Christian influence, believe it or not. Because um, proselytism was always a part of Judaism, and it was more or less welcomed. Now, they would not actively go out and seek proselytes all that often, although some Jews did do this. This is, was not, like, super common, but it also wasn't unheard of. Um but uh, once once Christianity kind of breaks off, does its own thing, and starts persecuting Jews, and and then uh, you know history, one thing after another, essentially they kind of close the process down into what we have now, kind of as a result to create this extra layer of separations uh, for themselves. It's, it's it was actually more or less a knee jerk reaction for their own protection. Um, so you have to sympathize with it because. You know, they are always on the verge of being wiped out off the face of the planet. Um, but God in his abundant mercy has always uh, made sure that a remnant has remained. <laughs> yep. Uh, so what then what so then what conversion were they speaking of in the first century? Um, so. Even though it's finalized in the second century, it's likely that this was more or less the accepted practice during the first century. It just was certain rabbis might have a different take on it and might have a different way of doing it. Um, but this was still more or less like the majority opinion. And then that majority opinion becomes the opinion for everybody in the second century kind of thing. Yeah. You'll find that is going to be true actually with a lot of first century Judaisms. First century Judaisms are largely going to have this sort of proto-orthodoxy where the majority opinion is basically what we have as the modern opinion now was the majority opinion back then, but it was not the only opinion back then. Uh, whereas nowadays, it's basically the only opinion. Or back then, there was a little bit more nuance, and then after, this, after the Mishnah gets written and finalized, um, those other opinions are sort of like, you're, you can't have those anymore. We This is what we're doing now. <laughs> oh, man. Ah, this, this, this will be a good one to prepare. Oh yeah, we should do that. We should probably go ahead and yeah, just do, we, I think we've touched on a lot of those independently in a few different videos, but we've never dedicated a video solely to, Hey, like this is the subject of kosher law. Um, mm -hmm. and here are the common objections to them. Here's why they are incorrect. We've done these videos independently, but we could definitely do a single video and hit all of them. I know I went through, I think, at least three of these. Romans uh, and, 14 is my favorite one, but I haven't yet. I've actually yet to go through it. So, yeah. And my conversation with Buck Rogers, which is on, on YouTube, 
just a conversation between two of us on TikTok live. It's almost four hours. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's unbearably long. I, I, I know that we, we did touch on several of those. All right. So I think we're going to call it, uh, we're a little, uh, 10 minutes past the hour. So yep, we're going to go ahead and we're going to jump into the after parties on the discord. Uh, so if you are a Patreon supporter, uh, Support uh, memberships start at $1, and uh, at any level, any tier, you get access to the After Partes, where you can 1v1 with us in the Discord channel. Uh, it's a private channel, so it's just Patreon supporters and us. You can ask us any question, you can roast us, you can put us in the lion's den, or, or we can sit in utter and complete awkward silence. It's whatever you guys want to do, you pay for that time. Uh, membership starts at a dollar, as I said alternate media uh, patreon.com slash alternate media don't forget to spell it with two or three a's in alternate yep um and the discord for those of you if you don't want to pay you still have a voice channel you can still join the discord and hang out with us anyway uh just it wouldn't be immediately after the show um yeah, but we pop in there every now and then yeah we're still we're still available you can still ask we have plenty of people you can ask questions link to the discord is in the description uh as well as our instagram and our facebook um and if you're not a subscriber yet, you should definitely bless the like button and and omni patria affiliate spirit sancti the subscribe button. <laughs> that's I'm not letting that go. That's my thing now. That's that's yeah. It's I guess it's here to stay. Yeah, I don't care. It's that's what we're doing. <laughs> uh, all right. So I got nothing else. Uh, if we got nothing else, well, cool. Let me um. The music. Do you stopped. have to pour more? No, no, no. I just gotta. Oh, the music stopped. Yeah, we gotta do this. We gotta make sure we give a of shout course. out to our Patreons because you guys rock. So thanks. Yep. Um. So there you are. Let me get rid of this banner real quick so we can get those bottom names. Boom. There's um, one name in there, man. Every time I see it, I'm like, how? Like, how did my mom end up? <laughs> 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 I'm not gonna say which name. Yeah, there's a couple of names in here where I'm like, really? Like, there's one I'm looking at now who's in the chat right now, and I'm like, you know who you are. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, um, thank you once again. You guys rock. Uh, More to come. There's big things coming, so keep an eye out for some new releases and things that are happening uh, in the Patreon that are Patreon exclusive, as well as some other things that you guys are going to get early access to. Um, There's the music. So that way we can disappear after we do our our to life. Yeah, um, yeah. We should figure out a fun way to close out instead of just being like, "Yeah, this is awkward, Lachaim," and then you know, or whatever. Right. Like, uh, we got to come up with a slogan or something. To we should say, do a so rap. Kinda... Nope, not doing that. <laughs> that, uh, that is my least favorite thing. Donde esta la biblioteca? Oh man. All right. Yep, well, that took me back actually there. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I've been on a throwback lately. <laughs> yeah. A little bit. Well, it's been nice and I like it. So uh, this is awkward and uh, look, I'm. Look, I'm. 